Psalm 23, take your Bible, turn with me to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we're in a series that we started a little while back. What is God like? All righty, let me review for just a second here. In case you hadn't been here first time, we're glad you're here. We're glad, we love folks coming here. If you've been here 3,000 years, we're glad you're here too. I'm just glad to have anybody here. It's not much fun when you're not in here. All right. John chapter 14, these men had been walking with the man Christ Jesus for two years. For two years, they'd been following him. They didn't know who he, you got to remember something. You have a Bible. They don't. They didn't. They didn't know who he was, but they knew there was something about this guy. He's, he's healing sick people. He's, he's just, he's just like no man they've ever met. And they would say, no man ever spoke like this man before. And there's power in his hands. And so as one of them said, we know that God is with you or you couldn't do this stuff. And then one day in John chapter 14, verse eight, one of them said, looked at him and said, show us the father and that'll be all we need. Tell us what God's like. In verse nine, he said, have I been with you so long and you didn't know I was him? Now imagine that you've been around this guy and he's wonderful. And you finally say, I think you know God. What are you like? And he looks at you and he says, you've been standing beside him for two years. I'm him. And, and that just rocked their world. Why were they so shocked when they found out that he was God? Come on, God, what's the answer? Because they had not been taught what he was like. They'd been taught he was like something else in their church. I'm going to say that again. Why were they so shocked when they got around Jesus? Because that wasn't what they thought God was like because of what they'd been taught in church. Right here, here, here we are. Are you ready? Do you know what he's like? That's why we're going through a series called What is God Like? We started the first week and I said, I talked about the excitement of God. And somebody said, what? We talked about the joy of God. We talked about how God loves to hang around sinful people. And they said, I ain't taking that no more. What are you going to do? Create your own God? We need to go with the God of the Bible. And we started last week and we talked about how he, he shows us who he is through pictures. How am I going to find out what he's like? He wrote us a book and he he calls them parables, but pictures. And he says, I'm going to tell you what I'm like. And we looked at, we started with the great picture last week where it said, the Lord is my shepherd, not savior, shepherd. Beyond my savior, he becomes my shepherd. And this shocked people when I said, I shall not want. Everything you're looking for in life, he'll give you. I've had people say to me, well, I don't want to become a Christian until I get old. I want to enjoy my life. Then when I get old, I'll get saved so I can go to heaven. Well, you don't know who he is. You're going to miss it in life. He gives you the desires of your heart. Everything I ever looked for in life, the real God gave. Now, religion lied to me. I know I hark on preachers in religion a lot. They lied to me. They told me you couldn't dance. I'm a dancing fool. (laughs) Told me you couldn't marry good looking women. They just like to mess my life up. Thank God I bought a Bible and got over it. I shall not want. And then we talked about how he feeds me. He's my strength. We talked about that man will get you where you want to be in life. Marriage, family, career. He'll get you where you want to be. Leads me in the right path. Today, one verse. And today we're going to talk about something everybody in this room needs to hear because of what we're going through right now. We're going to talk about a fearless life. We're going to talk about fear today. And we're going to talk about being free from fear and getting rid of fear. One verse. Listen to me. He can be your savior. I want him to be more than your savior. I want him to be your liberator. He whom the sun sets free is free and free from what? What is the number one crippler of humanity? Number one crippler, fear. 
Fear has cost you more than anything else on this planet. One verse, let's read it. Psalm 23, verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, no evil. I'm not afraid of anything because thou, O Lord, art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. All right, let me make a quick correction here. We use this verse at funerals. It's a great passage for funerals. This is not talking about physical death. The valley of the shadow of death is not talking about physical death. The valley of the shadow of death was a, a, was a geographical location right outside Jerusalem. And when you leave Jerusalem on the road that goes to Jericho, you went through a little area that was very dangerous. It was, and they referred to it as the valley of the shadow of death. We don't have anything like it in our part of the world here, but if you've ever seen old cowboy movies, like where cowboys would be going through these little mountains and there's just crags, rocks, and that little snook everywhere, and these bandits hide in these little cracks and these rocks, and, and they jump out. That's what the valley of the shadow of death was. It was a dangerous place. Bandits stayed in there. And you took a risk by walking through the valley of the shadow. It's a geographical location. Uh, if you remember Jesus telling the story of the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan left Jerusalem to go to Jericho and he walked through this valley and that's where he got attacked at and got hurt. The valley of the shadow of death is not physical death. It's a picture of living in a dangerous place. Yea, though I live in the United States in these days. It's a picture of having somebody out there trying to hurt you. Uh, thieves and bandits. But I fear no evil because you're with me. So understand that we're, <clears throat> we're not talking about death here. We're talking about a geographical location. All right. <clears throat> Number one crippler of your life is fear. I'm going to ask you two questions. Number one, what has fear done to you through your life? Think about all fears done for you, to you. Let me mention some of the fears that bother us so much. <clears throat> Pardon me, I shouldn't eat them pancakes. <clears throat> the fear of failure. How many people do I know that have not tried things because they were afraid they'd fail at it? What has the fear, what has not trying things because you were afraid cost you? The fear of lack. How many people, do I, even young, used to be old people were afraid they'd get old, wouldn't have enough money to take care of themselves. Now I hear young families saying, am I going to have to take enough money to take care of my kids? How about the fear of the future? What's going on in this nation right now? Greatest fear known to man, what is it? Rejection. Afraid of what other people think about me. Do you know what thinking about what other people think about you has cost you? Fear is the greatest crippler of humanity. Fear is born in hell. Fear is the enemy's tool to destroy what your father gave you. Listen to this great verse. He said, Brother Brian, you've quoted that before. I'm going to quote it again. I've come that they might have abundant life. Jesus died on a cross so you could have an abundant, wonderful life. But the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Two great powers in the universe. One came to give you a great life. One came to steal what the other one gave you. What's the number one way Satan steals out of our lives? Fear. All right, let me teach you something. You may know this, but let's review it again. There are two great powers at work in the universe. One is the living almighty God who gave his son for your life and created you and loves you. The other is the power of hell. All right, there are two things that release these powers in my life. Faith is what brings the goodness of God into my life. Fear is what brings the evil of hell into my life. Fear is in the kingdom of Satan what faith is in the kingdom of God. How does this work? All right, your heavenly father makes what's called promises. He gives you promises. When you put your faith in those promises, those promises come to pass in your life. Do you understand that? By faith. For instance, he makes this promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
That if you believe with your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, you will be saved. That's his promise to you. But nothing happens till you do what? You put faith in it. You say, yes. Jesus died for me. Yes, I believe in you. Thank you. I believe you're my Lord. I put my faith in you. In that moment, you have eternal life. Faith is the currency of the kingdom of heaven. Fear is the currency of the kingdom of hell. Satan makes promises about your children or says things about your children, puts things in your mind, and you fear those things. That's how he gets in there. I want you to listen to the book of Job. The thing that I feared has come upon me. The way God brings great things into your life is through faith. The way Satan works in your life is through fear. They're the two great powers of the universe, faith and fear. You'll never see them together. These two will never be together. I want you to look in this verse and see if you see something in here. <clears throat> but before we look at that, can I ask you, does anybody know, let me do a Bible trivia question. You ready? Not saying anything to you ready. Okay. All right. Most off-given command in the Bible, what is it? Somebody got it. Fear not. Over 300 times. You ever told your child something twice? Over 300 times he tells you, fear not. Now you listen to me. The father, the God who told you to fear not will never make you afraid. And if he said fear not, you have permission never to be afraid of anything. I don't want to, I'm going to see if you see two things that can't coexist. I want you to find two words in that one verse. Verse four. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort. Look at those two words, fear and comfort. Now, com we don't use the word comfort. Tell me, what, tell me what comfort is. That's when you're at peace, you're relaxed, you got joy, you're not afraid of anything. Listen to me, fear and comfort to never coexist. Where there's fear, you can never be comforted. Where there's comfort, you cannot be afraid. Those are the two opposing forces. Now, are, let me ask a third question. Do you want to live in fear or do you want to be comforted? This isn't hard, is it? How many of you love just laying down in bed at night and going to sleep like a baby and snoring so much that your wife's got to get up and go in the spare bedroom? Y'all love that stuff. I mean, you ain't got a care in the world. You like a baby, you ain't got a care in the world. How many of you like having, not having a care in this world? How many of you like laying in bed at night and worrying about what's going to happen? My shepherd doesn't want me worrying about anything. Can you see from this passage, he doesn't want you afraid. He wants you comforted. He wants you relaxed. Said, Brother Brian, you don't know what's going on. He told you it's the valley of the shadow of death. Quit waiting on things to get better. I'm not relaxed because things are better. I'm relaxed because that man's standing right here. Thou art with me. All right. Now there are two things. Let's look in this verse again. What are the two things that my father has that keep me in a state of relaxed comfort? What are the two things? His rod, his staff. Because of those two things, I'm done. I'm at peace over those two things. I don't want to talk to you about his rod and his staff. And uh, I want you to get a revelation out of this so that you can relax a little bit. Two things that destroy fear. All right, the Bible says that, and I don't know if you know this or not, Middle East, every shepherd carries two things. He carries a rod and a staff. A rod's about three foot long, made out of wood. It's just a big stick, about as thick as my arm. That's, the, uh, that's his rod. But he also carries a staff. And I've got pictures when my daughter lived in the Middle East. She'd send me pictures of shepherds. They'd have, the, they carry in their rod in one hand and they're walking with their staff in the other hand. Now I got my little staff here. I'll be right back. Y'all wait right there. Be right back. Come here. All right. This is my staff. Now this stays in my office. This is not a real size staff. A real shepherd's staff is about six foot, six foot plus. And the crook is much bigger. The crook's this big right here. You with me? And he walks with this. Now the rod's for one, the staff's for the other. Every shepherd carries two things, a rod and a staff. And uh, 
tell me the reason that I can relax and not be afraid. His rod and his staff. I need both of them. All right, number one, what's the rod for? The rod's not for me. The rod's for my enemies. All right, the shepherd carries that rod to protect the sheep from what? Predators. Anything that would hurt those sheep, that's what the rod's for. All right, now we're talking about shepherds in Lebanon with little furry animals carrying a piece of wood. We're talking about the living God standing beside me and he has something called a rod. And that rod is what brings me peace. I didn't, uh, I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, you have an enemy and he's real and he's, he's destroying this nation because we don't recognize him and he's mad and he's mad at somebody. Guess who he's mad at? Let, let's do a detour. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. You need a revelation from the book of Revelation. Revelation is where our father shows us things nobody else can see. All right, Revelation chapter 12. People tell me the book of Revelation is scary. The book of Revelation is wonderful. And our father gave it to us so we could see some things. But the book of Revelation reveals things that you can't find anywhere else. I want to show you now. um, Let let me say this. Do you you understand there's another world? I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about right here. You understand there's an invisible realm around us. And this invisible realm dictates the visible realm. Till you, till you understand that, nothing on this planet is going to make sense. Till you understand there are principalities, there are rulers, there are the powers of the spirit realm. There's a spirit realm that dictates the physical realm. Listen to what the Bible says about it. While we focus not on the visible, but on the invisible realm. Because the visible realm's temporary, but that realm's eternal. So there's a, there's a world there, there. And I want you to look in the book of Revelation as it shows us this. Verse, let's put in verse 9. Revelation 12, 9 uh, talks about the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world and his angels were cast out with him. Guess who we're talking about here? This being called Satan, evil one. At one time, he ruled right in the presence of God. He was a chief angel, but he rebelled against God. He was thrown out and he took something called angels with him. And those angels work with him now. What do we call fallen angels? Demon spirits. All right, an angel or a demon, a demon spirit's just an angel gone rogue. All right, an, an angel or a demon, any spirit, it's just a person without a body. You understand that? Now, I'm a spirit, but I've got a body. These are persons without bodies, and they, they operate in the, in the invisible realm around us. What's what the Bible says about them? Let's look at um, verse 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, who dwell in them, Woe or trouble to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea because this Satan has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. What does the Bible tell you about that? What kind, what's his mood right now? What is the mood of Satan? Anger. He is furious. Let me tell you something. The anger that's broken out in this nation in the last few years, that here's where it's coming from. He's furious. Why is he so angry? What does it say? His lease is coming to an end. You listen to me, his lease is coming to an end. But you know what this book teaches? He is going to cut up and raise hell and destroy like he never has before right at the end of his lease. His lease is coming to an end. Somebody fixing to come back and call his lease. What's the last verse? Verse 17. The dragon was enraged. I'm telling you, he is in a fit of rage with the woman and went to make war 
with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God have the testimony of Jesus. Who's he so angry at? Who's he after? Do you love Jesus? Do you try to follow Jesus? Bingo. And he is so enraged. Do you understand why? Listen, there is no battle between God Almighty and the unholy devil. There's no battle. That's laughable. The unholy devil trembles at the thought of standing in the presence of God. All right, think with me. Come on, guys, think with me here. If you wanted to hurt me, what's the worst way you could hurt me? Say it. Go after my children. You want to hurt me, you go after my children. He is enraged. He is judged for all of eternity. Guess who he's after? Those who have the testimony of Jesus Christ want to walk with God. All right, that's the bad news. Turn to Psalm 91. Let's get the other side. Let's look at the rod here. Now, I can give it to you in deep theological terms, or I can give it to you in Southern Alamance theology. Which one you want? That rod is for him to bust my enemy's head when he comes near. That's just the only way I know to say it. Rod is for whacking people. It's just for whacking people. That's all I know to tell you. It's what the rod is for, is to beat the enemy. All right, now, dear ones, listen to me. There are two great powers vying in my life. One is my father who loves me. The other is the enemy who hates me. He hates my marriage. He hates your relationships. You know why? My marriage is a picture of Jesus in the church. He hates, let me tell you what he hates more than anything else. He hates happiness. He hates, to, he hates joy with a passion. That's why the Bible, listen to this, Isaiah 61. In, in Isaiah 61, his name is the spirit of heaviness. He has sucked the life out of this nation. He's stolen the joy of this nation. He cannot stand for somebody to be joyful and rejoice and praise God and thank him. I had his fingernails on the blackboard to holy head. I mean, he can't stand this stuff. That's why he's sucking the joy of this nation. However, there's another power in this universe. Psalm 91. Let's read it. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high will abide under the shadow of the almighty. There is a place of protection. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in him. I will trust. All right, look at verse three. Maybe y'all supposed to call me out when I'm wrong. Does it say maybe or does it say surely? Surely he will deliver me from the snare of the fowler, from the perilous pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will take refuge. Sound to me like somebody looking out for me. His truth will be your shield and buckler. A buckler is a small shield. What is it that's going to protect me from the garbage? Everybody look right here. This is what protects me right here. His truth is the shield that delivers me from the garbage. Let's go a little bit further. I love this. You need to memorize this. Verse five, you shall not be what? What's the Bible say right there? You're not supposed to fear anything that happens on this earth or that he can do. Nothing. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. Is it because I'm tough? Is it because I'm tough? Has nothing to do with me being tough. Has something to do with that wing that's over me. Has something to do with he who stands. It has something to do with his rod. Now, we're, um, let me help you with this tough stuff. I don't care how tough you are. You ain't tough enough. You just don't know how tough I am. Listen to me, doc. No human being on this planet is that tough. Uh, nobody is tougher than a bullet in the back of the head. Not even the rock could stand that. And I hate to tell you this, all you guys that are muscled up and tough and showing off with your shirts off. I was big at one time. 
You ain't but a few days of ringing a bell hoping an orderly bring you a bedpan so you don't pee on yourself. <laughs> you ain't that tough. And I've never met a human being that was tough enough so they could tell death, go away, and he listened to them. We're not talking about human tough here. We're talking about human confidence in somebody. All right, a lot of people don't like this, but let's read it. You shall not be afraid, verse five, of the terror by night, nor the air that flies by day, the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor the destruction that lays lays waste at noonday. Quit being afraid of something. All right, because you... Somebody asked me one time, but don't you see what's happening to people? He's got an answer for that. Read it with me. A thousand may fall at your side. 10,000 at your right hand. It's not going to come near you because you'll see it, but it won't happen to you. Verse nine, because you've made the Lord who's my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place. Now, listen to me. You don't get this because you go to church. You get this because you have a relationship with Jesus. Amen because you have made him something to you. There's a place of safety. Let me show you something about your family. Verse 10, no, guess what the word no means in the Greek? I'm sorry, well, this is written in Hebrew. It means the same thing. Guess what no means in Hebrew? None. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. That's your home, that's your family. Now, why is it that this stuff can't touch me? Why, he said, Brother Brian, you never know what's gonna happen to people. Buy you a Bible. (laughs) Buy you a Bible and put your faith in the living God. And in what he says. Get out of your head, get in his word. Get out of your emotions, get in his word. Get off cheap daytime Christian television, get in his word. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Let me tell you why. Mr. Clean, read it. He will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways. They will bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. How many of you believe in angels? Angels are not these little fat dudes sitting around in like Hallmark shop playing harps. Angels are warriors. Angels are, if you saw one, they'd scare you speechless. I've never seen one. You better thank God for that. They'd scare you speechless. They're standing right here with me right now. I've had several occasions. One was about a, maybe over a year ago. A lady came up to me after the service. She looked like she'd seen a ghost. She said, I hope you don't think I'm crazy. But said, you were up there talking. I said, there was a man standing beside you. I saw him. So she's crazy. No, she just got to look into the world there. Scripture talks about that. They're up here right now. They go with me everywhere I go. You know why they keep me safe driving? Because I drive the speed limit. So you go flying down the highway, break speed limit, you're breaking the law of God. An angel gets there 10 minutes after you done wrecked. Say, how come you weren't there? So we can't do it. If you'd have slowed down, we could have kept up with you. <laughs> the angels of God are those beings that protect me. Now listen to me. A lot of people all hung up on demons. Listen to what the Bible said. When he fell, the dragon swept a third of the stars with his tail. That's Revelation chapter 12. He only took a third of the angels. There's two thirds left. Guess what they're doing? They're standing right here right now. They're guarding my house. They're guarding my property. They're guarding everything I've got. They guard my family. He will give his angels charge over you to guard you in all your ways, everything you do. Because you've made the Lord your refuge. I'm going to show you how to do it in a second. All right. Well, let's, let's look in verse 13. You will tread upon the lion, the cobra, the young lion, the serpent. You will trample underfoot. You think he's talking about going to Dashboro Zoo? 
We're not talking about real animals here. Remember pictures, pictures. What's he talking about? Every demon spirit that wants to destroy your marriage, destroy your home, get in your head and make you an idiot, every demon spirit will be under your feet. That's where they belong. Hang on to Romans 16, 20 that says this. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet, under your feet shortly. Let me make an announcement out of the book of Colossians chapter three. The Bible said Jesus disarmed principalities and powers and made a public spectacle over them. Why are we being kicked around by a puny enemy that was broken at the cross? Why is he getting in our heads and our hearts and in our homes and in our land? He was defeated at the cross. Now listen to me, verse 14, because he has set his love upon me, therefore I might deliver him. We got to break with this what if stuff. We need to start believing the Bible. I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he's known my name. He'll call upon me and I'm going to answer him. Now let me correct something here. Watch this. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life. I'll satisfy him. Did the Bible say that we won't have trouble? No. What did it say? I'll be with him in trouble. And what did he say? I'm bringing him out. The rod of God is what protects me. But listen to me. You don't get this because you fell out a card. (laughs) The Lord is my shepherd. I let him run my life. Therefore, I fear no evil. I'm not protected unless I, let's, let's read it. Look at the first verse again. Let me show you something. He who dwells in the secret place will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. All right, y'all can't see it, but right there, I'm standing right here. I got multiple shadows of these lights. Right there is my shadow. If you're standing there, you're in my shadow. Y'all, this is so simple. Right here, you're in my shadow. Over there, you're not in my shadow. You know why I'm protected? I stay in the man's shadow. In other words, I choose to walk with him. Let me paint you a picture of this. I got two daughters who live here in this city, and I always tell my girls, even when they were young, I told them, be smart. Maybe it's good to tell your girls to be smart. I started to tell my son that, but I knew better than tell a boy to be smart. So I just told my girls, be smart. <laughs> I got two girls and uh, I would tell them, be smart girls and, and always be aware of your surroundings. You know, one went to school in Raleigh, one went to school in Boone. I said, be aware of your surroundings. When you go, go out at night, look around you. Don't walk out into a dark parking lot by yourselves. Right. You don't need to be afraid, but you need to be smart. Right. Are you with me? Oh, yeah. This is just common sense. And I tell my girls, be smart, be careful. Well, if one of my daughters had to go into a dangerous place in town here late at night, whatever, uh, she would be nervous about it. Should be. But listen to me. If her daddy's with her, she don't need to be the least bit nervous. And it's not because her daddy's tough. Her daddy's old. She goes, I could walk through that dark parking lot. I fear no evil because my daddy is with me. Come on, come on. And his Smith and Wesson, it comforts me. If I'm, out in the, if I'm out in the public, all seven of us is there. Are you with me? If I were standing beside my daughter and I had my 44, trusty 44 with me, which stays right here in the back of my belt all the time when I'm out in public, I, I'm telling that to you so you won't mess with me in public. <laughs> she don't need to be afraid of anything. I don't, it don't matter how tough she is. She just needs to stay close to her daddy. You understand now, if she runs off somewhere without me, I can't help her. He who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, you got to stay somewhere. You're my Lord. You're my shepherd. I'm going to follow you. Dear ones, don't run off from the shepherd. There's no safety away from it. This is so simple. 
This is so simple. But if you're there, you declare, he is my shepherd, he's safe. And now listen to me, there's something else we gotta do too. Faith brings the promises of God into my life. All right, look at the second thing. Psalm 91, verse two. I will say, you never know what's gonna happen. I will say, I'm scared my kids are gonna get on drugs. I will say, I'm probably going to lose my job in this downturn. Look at it. You've got to be careful what you say. Don't you listen to what Jesus said in Luke, uh, excuse me, Mark 11, verse 22, 20. He said, have faith in God. What you say is going to happen. Speak to the mountain, tell it to move. You will have what you say. You're going to have what you say. That's why he said, I have stayed there, but I got to say something. What am I going to say? Gosh, I'm getting old. My church probably going to fire me been trying to get you to for a year. I don't know what the problem is here. This, you cannot speak fear. The way you bring things to pass is to speak them out loud. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my strength. This family is going to thrive. We're going to be blessed by God. We're going to do great. Nothing wrong is going to happen here. Every need's going to be met according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You've got to say what he says to have what he promises. We have got, I hear preachers talking junk. We have got to start saying what the man says. That's called faith. Quit speaking. I hear Christians all the time say some of the awfulest things. A friend of mine told me recently, he's a preacher. He said, we're having testimony time, smaller church. Later stood up and said, y'all pray for me. I believe I'm getting cancer. He said, I had taught them better than that. So I just interjected and said, you keep believing, sister. You'll get it. (laughs) You will have what you say. And we need to say, I say this every morning of my life. No evil will befall me, nor will any plague come near my dwelling. His angels have charge over me, my family, my church. No weapon formed against me, my family, or my church will prosper. You need to say what the man says. That's the way we cause things to happen. That is the, that is the, that is the rod of God. I'm, as long as I'm close to him, his rod will protect me and I will fear no evil. Right, let me teach you something. Years ago, I'm just a young preacher and I'm saying something ain't right with the way we do church. And so we're missing something somewhere. And I said, Father, we're missing this thing in these fancy prayers. Teach me how to pray. And he said to me, you want your family to be safe? You want your kids to do well? Do you want to be protected? Then you learn from this word how to pray and quit listening to church people pray. Oh, Lord, it's so terrible down here. That's a great prayer. Quit praying out of your emotions. Start praying the word. And he took me to Exodus 17. This is the place he taught me how to pray. Let me just tell you what it says. One of the great verses. See if this verse doesn't bless your heart. And uh, Exodus 17 is where they're journeying. They left the, the wilderness. They left the rough place. They're going to promised land. They're traveling along through the wilderness. And the Bible said this. And the Amalekites attacked Israel at Rephidim. Doesn't that bless your heart? But you got that on your refrigerator, don't you? Actually, there's a lot right there. The people of God were doing exactly what they were told to do, and an enemy came and attacked them because they were following God. And Moses said to Joshua, you go down and fight in the battle. I'm going on the top of that mountain with the rod of God. And Moses went on the top of this mountain. Now, you listen to this. And he lifted up his hands to God to pray. And when he lifted his hands, Israel began to defeat their enemies. But when he put his hands down, the enemies began to defeat his people. What's God telling you right there? I don't care how much I love you. Till you show me some faith, I can't help you. 
All right, he had two little helpers. I used to call them Ben and her, but it's actually Aaron and her. Had two little helpers. And they saw this thing and they said, Aaron said to her, grab that old man's arm. And he got on the other side and they jacked his arms up in there and set him on a chair and they would not let him put his arms down. Good picture of people have. Listen to this. Moses' hand stayed in the air until evening and God's people thoroughly defeated their enemies. Make the connection, doc. You want your kids to do well? Get your hands in there. You want your marriage to thrive? You get your hands in the air in faith. You want to be protected? Get your hands in the air. You want to be blessed and live in joy and peace with his spirit? Get your hands in the air and leave them there. And I saw that that day and I said, every day of my life, my hands will be up in front of you praying. I praise you and thank you. The kingdom of God's going to come in this house. Your will's going to be done. We're going to be delivered and protected and safe. And I just go on for a while praising him and thanking him every day. Then you get your hands up. And, and it's not just fine. <laughs> Can't you see it's an act of faith in God? Then say of the Lord, he is my refuge. You need to make up your mind. I am not going to live in fear. I'm not going to do this anymore. All right, let me give you a picture. Now you remember, he is my refuge. He's my strength. He's there. Let me quote again, Psalm 23, 4. I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so I don't feel him. And what difference does that make? You got to believe what the man says. Here's one of the greatest pictures I've ever seen of something that's going to happen to you and me. How many of you believe that we don't really know much right now? Let me quote 1 Corinthians 13. We see very little right now. Reality is not much there to us. We, you know, we stumble along in the dark trying to figure life out and why is it not working? Even those of us that love God, we still don't know that much. Right. Listen to what the rest of that verse says. But there will come a day we will see everything as God sees it. That's 1 Corinthians 13. We see very partially. But there will come a day we're going to see everything like he sees. Right. Let me tell you what it's going to look like. Years ago, when Indians roamed America and had free reign to America, uh, little Indian boys grew up being trained by their fathers for one, re- one purpose. They wanted to become braves like their fathers. They wanted to ride with the men. They wanted to hunt with the men and do war with the men. And when they got up a certain age as teenage boys, they had to be tested by the men in that tribe to see if they were brave enough. That's why they call them braves. You had to be brave to be brave. And so they would be tested. That little thing they'd go through to be tested. One of the tests for uh, young Indian boys in, this, in, this, uh, in these tribes was they'd shoot, had to ride, but they'd take them out in the woods at, in the evening and they'd have to sit in the woods blindfold. They'd put a blindfold on them all night long in the dark. They'd have to sit there and be brave and not run all night long as a test. So little fella, just teenage boy, his dad takes him out there, sets him on a log, blindfolds him. It's dark. And he hears his father's footsteps walk off in the woods. And he can still tell it's light because you know, some of the light still gets through the blindfold. All of a sudden, the light begins to disappear and night sets in. You ever been in the woods when night sets in? I love being outdoors. If I wouldn't have a wife, I wouldn't even have a house. I'd just sleep in the woods. And darkness sets in. Guess what happens when in the woods at night? The woods come alive. And he hears it. And he, it just, things happen in the woods at night. Well, see, he's blindfolded. He don't know what's going on. He don't know whether that's a chipmunk or a rattlesnake. He don't know whether it's a deer slipping by or a wolf. But his, 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 he's trying to be brave. Let me tell you something about being brave. It has nothing to do with feeling fear. It's when you don't act on what you feel. Bravery is not when you don't feel fear. Bravery is when you don't let it tell you what to do. So he sits there all night. 
But he is determined, I will die before I'll run. I'm going to prove to my daddy I'm brave. And he sits there brave all night long. And, he, and all of a sudden, what a long night that is. All of a sudden, he senses the light coming through that blindfold. He knows it's daylight, and he made it. And he can take that blindfold off. So he reaches up, he pulls that thing off. Shoo, to find what? His daddy had been sitting on a stump in front of him all night to protect him and take care of him. I heard that, and I said, that's exactly what 1 Corinthians 13 means. I can't see God right now. I can't understand what's going on in my life. I can't understand why my, I don't know what's going on. What's going on here? There's going to come a day that blindfold is going to come up. You will find it. He was right here the whole time. Thou art with me. Well, listen, listen to me. We don't need to wait till then. Let's just take him at his word right now. Amen. I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Amen. I've never been one inch away from him all my bonded life. That's the rod of God. That's his protection that he takes care of me with. And uh, dear ones, tell, I'm trying to see who's here today so I can know whether to say this or not. <laughs> All right, it's just us. All my Southern friends. Please do something for me so you can have a great life. You start telling fear to go back to hell where it came from. It is not your lot in life. You, you don't have to take it. I, you will feel it. It will come. Isaiah 54 says, fear shall surely come, but it's not from me. And then the next great verse, no weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you, you shall condemn. What does it mean you condemn it? You tell it where to go back to. Right. You, you, there's time fear going to jump on you <laughs> like a June bug on a right. It's going to jump. You tell it to go back where it came from. You're a liar. My children will be blessed of God. My marriage will shine. Yes. I will be strong. Then you get my age, you start claiming things like Psalm 92. In old age, they shall bear fruit. They shall be fresh and flourishing. For you shall anoint me with fresh oil. We have got to break with this passive. It's good to be gracious to each other. Do not be gracious to your enemy. Push back against that stuff. All right, let me wrap up. There's two th His rod brings me great comfort. I don't care what you say to me. Nothing can hurt me because I'm living under the man's shadow. Hallelujah. What's the other great comfort? What's the other thing that comforts me? All right, now remember, the rod is for my enemy. What's my staff for? Staff's for me. The, the rod is designed. You what, now remember again, it's much taller and the crook's a little bit bigger than this. What's it designed for? <laughs> Y'all been watching too much TV. Not your neck. It's designed for the breast. It fits under the chest of a sheep. That's what it's designed for. And it, he, it's, he can take it. He can just pull sheep back up when they get in a mess. They get in the rocky crags. They get in the pit. They run from him. The staff is designed to bring the... You're not going anywhere. Come back here. What does he mean that his staff brings me come? Anybody ever scared you're going to mess up? Stop it. Don't ever be afraid you're going to mess up. Relax. His staff will not let you go anywhere. This preaching that says you better hang on to God. Let me tell you something. His staff's hanging on to me. Let me get, let me, listen to me. Let's hear God's word on this thing. Luke chapter 15, verse four. If a man has a hundred sheep, sheep and loses one, will he not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that's lost till he gets him? What does God do? Even if I try to run from him, what does he do? You're not going nowhere, son. His staff, I can't, I, I don't even think I could run from him. <clears throat> He'll come after me. And what is he going to do when he gets me? 
wear me out and lock me up so I'll never do it again, my God. <laughs> Let me make an announcement. God is not a country preacher. God is God. And when he finds him, he lays him on his shoulders with joy. The joy of God at keeping people close to him. Let me give you one of the greatest promises you'll ever hold to. And this is the, this is the staff of God. Are you ready? Memorize this, Philippians 1, 6, being confident. We need to quit being afraid and start being confident. Being confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. I didn't start this thing between me and Jesus. He started it and he's going to finish it. That's the staff of God to keep me close. I'm sitting at a dinner table not long ago and a fellow knew I was a Christian, but he didn't know I was a preacher, which I was glad of that. And he said, so when did you find Jesus? And I said to him, I didn't find Jesus. He wasn't lost. I said, I didn't find, I wasn't looking for Jesus. I was looking for drugs. Wild women. This has been a long time ago. <laughs> been a good, good ways back. I said, I was looking for drugs and wild women. I wasn't looking for Jesus. He said, well, how'd you get saved? I said, how does everybody get saved? He came looking for me. Where do we get this stuff that I'm chasing after him? I'm not chasing after him. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 3. There is no one who ever seeks for God. No, not one. Say, yes. so, well, how'd I find him? You didn't find him. He found you. Amen. John chapter 6, verse 44. No man comes to Jesus unless the Father who sent me is chasing them and drawing them. Are you interested in Jesus? God's chasing you. Do you want to know anything about the living God? He's doing that inside of you. He started this thing. And he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it till the day of Jesus Christ. So why don't you just relax? Amen. Be at comfort. Don't, I'm just afraid I'm going to mess up. You don't think he's bigger than that? Yeah. Let me give you a great picture of this. Years ago, y'all know what a dirigible is? Yes. Well, well, good. Few of you do. In World War II, the Germans were using dirigibles, them hot air balloons, them giant blimps, using them giant blimps. You know, Goodyear finally figured it out, but the Germans had them first. And the U.S. Army decided they want to experiment with them dirigibles. Is that right? Dirigibles, is that right? Well, blimp sounds better. They experiment with them blimps. And so they, were, they finally got, you know, built one. They got up, they go and experiment with the first day. And they had about 100 soldiers holding that thing down with ropes. And they're supposed to hold it and get it, you know, so they're filling that thing up with helium. Got it up there, got it all jacked up. Well, it's experimental. And they underestimated how many soldiers it'd take to hold that sucker down when it got full. So it began to lift off and, and they couldn't hold it. Well, some of them had enough sense to let go. That's smart. Others held on for a little while and fell and got hurt. But one guy, just one man held on. It carried him all the way into the heavens. Almost out of sight. He's still hanging on up there. And they finally got the thing back down and asked the fella, how did you hang on so long? He said, I wasn't hanging on. He said, I'm from the country. He said, when I realized what was happening, I saw, I knew I couldn't hang on to that thing. So I just reached down there below me and pulled that rope up and doubled it and cinched it and just relaxed in it. <laughs> he said, I wasn't holding that thing. That thing was holding me. He said, I had the time of my life. Best view up there. I had a blast up there. <laughs> I heard that and I said, how many Christians are trying to hold on and be faithful? Let me tell you, I'm not holding on to anybody. He's holding on to me. I, the Lord is my shepherd. His staff comforts me. Even if I tried to run, he'll bring me back every time. He will not let me go. Let me give you another, Philippians 2.13. God is working in you to will and work for his good pleasure. 
All right, if a gangbanger tries to break in my house and my kids are young, I'm all over them because I love my child. I'm going to protect my children. But if one of my daughters loses her mind and wants to run off with a gangbanger, oh, me and her are going to have a prayer meeting. I'm not going to look. After, after I shoot him, me and her are going to have a prayer meeting. I'm not going to turn my child loose to some gangbanger. My Savior is not going to turn me loose to an unholy devil. I belong to him. He purchased me with his blood. He's not going to let me go. We need to get this thing in my heart. The staff of God is my comfort. I relax in that. Right, let, me tell you, let me help you here. Let me show you how he does it. Are you ready? Let me just quote to you a little bit from Hebrews chapter 12. Do not despise the bringing back of the Lord. For whom he loves, he corrects. Every good father does it because he loves you so you can participate in his goodness. He's not going to let you go. He, with the Bible, because he will correct you. Now, how does he do it? Anybody heard of King David? Never been a man that loved God more than David. Matter of fact, he was called the man after God's own heart. David loved God. He walked with him. He wrote great songs to him. But one day David screwed up. He made a mistake. He should have been at battle and wasn't at battles when he got in trouble. There's a lesson there. And he stole a man's wife and he killed the man. And then for one year, he sat on his throne and he wouldn't admit it. And he wouldn't deal with it. And nobody would say anything to him because they're scared of him. I right, listen, what happened? After one year, one year he did that. And for one year, he never heard the voice of God. He never felt the presence of God. And after one year, this preacher, little country preacher came to see him and said, I need your help with something. And he loved that little preacher. His name was Nathan. He said, what do you need help with? He said, there's a man who lives in our town and he's very rich, very wealthy. He has many herds, many flocks. And then there's another poor man that lives in our town. He, has, he had one little lamb. He slept with that lamb. That lamb drank out of his cup. And this rich man had a visitor, and instead of taking one of his sheep, he went and stole that little man's lamb and fed it to the visitor. And David broke in fury. He said, the man that did this deserves to die. He was so angry. He said, he's going to pay him back four times. And the preacher said, I'm talking about you. Thou art the man. You're the man. And said, thus saith the Lord, I gave you everything. You were a nobody when I found you. And I gave you everything. And you went and stole that man's little lamb. And David, instead of bowing up, bowed his head. He said, you're right. And then he, he left that throne room. He went by himself into the church and locked the door, got on his face, and he prayed Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Take away and blot out my iniquities. Remove them from me. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice again. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Give me back your precious spirit. You know what? He ran from God, but God wouldn't turn him loose. How does God bring me back to him? He takes the joy out of my life. He takes the peace away. His spirit quits blessing me. Let me tell you something. Misery is the staff of God. When misery is in my heart and I'm miserable and everybody's wrong and I don't understand nothing, there ain't nothing wrong with nobody except you. That's some good preaching right there. That deserved amen out of the back. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Dear ones, joy is the presence of God. And when I'm miserable and everybody's wrong and everything's messed up and it's their fault and it ain't never my fault and I got to be right, something's missing. You know what that is? That is the staff of God saying, come back over here. I'm not going to let you live like that. I love you too much to turn you loose. Anybody ever been there? I've been there. I've been there a time or two and I've made up my mind. I am not living without the joy of Jesus. Amen. I'm not living without the peace of God. I'm too far. I'm not getting away from Jesus. I need him every hour. I need the joy of Jesus. See, that's why, praise God. That's the way I know I'm saved. I can't get away with nothing. 
Let me go back and quote to you Hebrews chapter 12 again. If any man is without correction, he is illegitimate. He is not a child of God. You live like hell. You live in sin. You hate people. You run around. You act like an idiot. It don't bother you. I don't care if you're a preacher. You're not born again. Because the Spirit of God inside of me wouldn't let me do that. This is some of the best preaching you ever heard. Thank God. Well, let me tell you what I've learned. When I get miserable, don't stay out there and defend yourself. Go back. Listen, that, that staff's pulling on you. Go back to where he put you to. Go back. Listen, that, here's the good news. You know what the staff of God means? He takes responsibility for where I finish. Psalm 138.8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. All right, can I show you a verse real quick? How about y'all? Y'all want to see one? All right, turn with me. Turn to the First Thessalonians chapter 5. Kyle, you need to hear this. Let me tell you why I hang on to this verse right here. I'm a young guy and I heard a preacher say something one day and it didn't sit well with me. And he was talking about how preachers are met. This was back in an era when preachers were messing up. Well, they're messing up bad now. And it was a little period where all these preachers were running off with other people's wives, running off with the organist and the piano player and the, running off with their music. I promise you I ain't running off with my music leader. He ain't my type. Can I get a witness? All right. And this pre- I want you to listen to what he prayed and think about it. See, this shows you how religion screws you up. Listen to what he said. He said, and he tried to be real spiritual. But he said, I prayed one day before I cheat on my wife, God had just killed me. I thought, that's the stupidest prayer I've ever heard in my life. You think God killing you is the best way to do this thing? <laughs> What's wrong with that prayer? No faith in God whatsoever. No faith in God. Watch these words right here. How about let's change the way we pray. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. May the God of peace himself sanctify you. What? Completely. Now, I know, I know the word sanctify don't mean nothing to you. They use it in Pentecostal churches. Sanctified. Sanctified just means made beautiful. Per- perfect. Complete. Look what the Bible says. Guess who's going to finish? Guess who's going to make me perfect? May the God of peace do it himself. And how much is he going to do it? Watch this. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless all the way till Jesus gets back. He who called you is faithful. He will do it. Who's going to finish what he started in you? Listen to me. Put your faith in God. You trust that man that his staff will get you there. I'm telling you, dear ones, you have no business having fear for anything in your life. You don't need to fear anything your enemy does. You don't need to be afraid of what you do. He'll get you there. I don't want to finish... By showing you, uh, I want to push you. Can I push you a little bit? You know why I push y'all? I could come up here with this candy cane mess and play games with you. We're going in days where you're going to need help. I want you to, I don't want you to crawl through life getting fried. I want you to fly through. I want you to make it. I want to show you something, see if you believe it. Turn with me to Mark chapter four, see if you think this can happen. To you, to you, not to him, to you. Mark chapter four. Right, do you remember I said to you, there's two things that never coexist, fear and faith. One of them is going to drive the other one out. You cannot be fearful and comforted. You're either going to be at peace or you're going to be afraid, but you can't be both. Can't have fear and faith. And this is one of the greatest illustrations. And one of the, now remember, this is not a Bible story, dear ones. This is God speaking to you and teaching you about you and about him. Let's learn something from this. Mark chapter 4. Verse 35, on the same day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. He said, get in a boat. We're going to the other side of the lake. All right. They left the multitude. They took Jesus along in the boat. There were some other small boats. 
and a great storm arose and the waves beat into the boat it was filling. Do you see a problem there with that? I thought if you followed Jesus, you'd never have a storm. Why were they in this storm? Because they followed Jesus. Let me make an announcement. You follow Jesus, you're going to have storms. So why would I follow him? You don't follow him, you're going to have storms too. You live in this land, you're going to have storms, period. You need to have them with Jesus. All right, so we got storms. I don't care who you are, you're going to have storms. Everybody's in one of three places. You either coming out of a storm, in it, or you head to your next one. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Anybody got any problems in their lives right now? Welcome to the storms. So I got in a storm following Jesus. All right, verse 38. Jesus was asleep in the stern, asleep on a pillar, and they woke him up and they said to him, watch these words, do you not care? What's the first thing happens to us when trouble comes in our life? God don't care about me. If God cares about me, why is this happening? The trouble, listen, the enemy gets in, when things happen crazy in your life, enemy gets in your head and says, God didn't, if God cared about you, this wouldn't happen. Listen to me. Don't you ever question his love for you. I don't know whether that man cares for me or not because of what's going on around me today. You know what will never cause me to question his care and love for me? You see that thing on the wall back there. The cross will always determine what he thinks about me. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. I don't care if all hell breaks loose. And I'm going through one of the worst storms I've ever been through in my life right now. And I am pissing the devil off so bad because I just keep singing and praising. Take that. Now, I, I know it bothers you. I said pissing. I'm sorry. But you know what the deal is? We have got to get some, we've got to get some redneck about us in this storm. That cross settles it for me. I got prayers that aren't being answered right now. I got big questions. I don't have a clue where I'm going, but that cross settles everything for me. I don't judge God by what's going on in my life. I judge God by that cross. But you notice, even his disciples began to wonder if God cared about them because of the mess that was in their lives. They said, don't you care about us? Watch what else they said. <laughs> you talk about some unusual people. They said, teacher, do you not care? Verse 38, in verse 38, we are dying. We are dying. Let me ask you a question. Are they dying? You know why they're getting in trouble? Question, look back up. What did Almighty God say? Did he say, get in the boat, we're going to die today. <laughs> what did Almighty God say? You get in that boat, we're going to the other side. All right, you got a conflict of words here. You got God saying, we're going to the other side. You got disciples saying, we're going to die. Which one are you putting your money on? <laughs> Dear ones, do not let the storms dictate your life. Let the word of God decide what you do. We're dying. I love, I love this. I love this right here. Watch what happens. So Jesus arose and rebuked the wind and said to it, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there's a great calm. I mean, they're screaming bloody murder. They're dying. Jesus gets up, rubs the sleep out of us and goes, knock it off like glass. Right. And they're standing there going, I guess we ain't going to die, are we? <laughs> and they're just standing there. Let's learn something. You ready? This is to me. Let's learn something. Verse 40, Jesus said to them, bless your dear hearts. I am so sorry that I fell asleep in your life and let this go on. I'll never do this to you again. You've got to be kidding me. And Jesus said to them, why are you so what? There's that word again. Why is fear running your life? Watch what he said. Why are you so fearful? Where's your, tell me the two words in there, fear and faith. Every moment of your life, you're either going to let fear run the show or you're going to let faith run the show. Fear comes from watching what's going on around you. Faith comes from hearing what God has said to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
Uh, I, how many of you, are, I know we're not all theologians, but can y'all sort of pick up here that he did not expect them to be screaming, we're dying? What did he expect them to be saying? I know it looks rough now, but if the man said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. Hang on, Simon, and be quiet. We're going to get where he said we're going. That's called faith in God. But now look at the funny part here. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that the wind and sea obey him? I, I love this. So Jesus stands up and he goes, look at him, silence. He gets quiet and he looks and he says, your faith would have protected you from this. So what did he do? Can you tell what he did? He went and laid back down and went to sleep. And they're standing there looking at each other. Listen to what they said. And remember, they, he hadn't told them who he is yet. And they're looking at each other saying, who have we gotten involved with here? He speaks to the weather and it listens to him. Are y'all sure we should have followed this guy? He's telling the storms what to do. Can I make an announcement? He could do the same thing for you. He could speak to your storm and stop just like that. One day he's going to speak and stop the storm over this whole earth. You ready for the good news? His goal in your life is not comfort. He could stop the storm at any minute. Tell me what his goal in your life is. Faith. Faith. His goal in your life is not that everything be cushy and comfort and air conditioning. I think air conditioning is one of the worst things ever happened to us. I think electric windows on cars has killed us. Comfort was never his goal. He wants you to be in the storm and whoop it. Can you not see that? There's a reason we're called comforters. Excuse me. I screwed up there. There's a reason we're called conquerors instead of pew potatoes. They are more than conquerors. Dale, I love this stuff. I just love this stuff. It is a wonderful day. I, had, oh, I told you I was going to quit. I'm going to quit. It's a wonderful day when you realize no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. I'm not holding on to him. He's holding on to me. I couldn't run from him if I wanted to. Let the storm rage. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to be comforted. I love you. I love, this is why I talk to y'all so ugly. I love y'all. I don't want fear gripping you by the throat. I want you to be comforted and relax and enjoy the ride. You could enjoy the ride. Can I tell you one more? I promise. Close my mouth. I promise I'm done. Now, you've heard this before. I'm going to tell you again. What a picture. If you knew what was going on out there, you would never be afraid again. You'd prop your feet up on the dash and enjoy the ride and wave to your mama. I wrote this in a little book a while back. Five years old. Yes, I've heard this story before. You're fixing to hear it again. Five years old, mama takes me and my sister to Tweetsie. I'm five and she's three. Got them little boats up there. Five or six little boats, they go around in a circle up there. Mama said, we're going to ride the boats. So she puts us in that boat. I'm in the inside. My sister's sitting here. And right before we take off, this evil, evil man looks at me and says, you drive that boat careful with your sister in there. I never, I never even rode in a boat in my life. I grabbed that steering wheel and I started to get, started to get out. It lurched forward and I started driving that thing. And I'm driving that little boat and I'm, I told my sister, we'll be all right, hang on. And I'm trying to stay in the one in front of me and I didn't, I never driven, I'm five, I'm five. You don't know nothing at five. And we banged the side and I said, oh, it'll be all right, hang on. I'm gonna drown my sister. Go, this is it, my little life ends right here. And you're laughing, y'all know something I didn't know. It. I'm five, I didn't know this. I thought I was in charge of my life. I thought I was driving. I thought it was up to me. Right. Praise God. Thing. We rode for about six hours round and round that thing here. 
finally the stupid thing stops. That's tighter than a banjo string. Mama's just getting out and that evil man says, you want to go around again? I said, no. Barely saved our lives on this trip. Now you think that looks stupid. Listen to me. I wasn't driving that boat. Somebody that I had no idea was on, had their hand on the controls. I was never in danger at any time. Reminds me of Mark chapter four. If I had known the truth, I could have turned that steering wheel loose, propped my feet up on the dash and waved a mom and had a big time. It's that's a stupid story. That, that's exactly what's happening to us in this planet right now. You are not in control. There is a hand on your life. There is somebody. He didn't create you to throw you to the dogs. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So you can ride one of two ways. You can ride screaming and hollering and gripping the steering wheel. Or you can relax and kick back and prop your feet up and say, take me wherever you want me to go. And wave at mama. Wave at your preacher. Have your grand time. I know you needed to hear that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your goodness. I praise you for the word of God. Either you are who you say you are or you are not. And we can't take our little scissors and cut out the parts of the Bible that we're used to. I thank you as your word says, all his word is truth. And I want to praise you and thank you today that my Savior is my shepherd. Thank you that no evil shall befall me nor shall any plague come near my dwelling. Thank you that the angels of God have never walked away from me. They guard me in all my ways lest I dash my foot against a stone. I thank you and praise you that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you that you're going to finish what you started. I thank you that the Lord is in charge. The Lord rules in the affairs of men. And you will finish. I just, you've given me such insight in prayer that you are all over this thing. The Lord is at hand. He is with me. And you're with these lives out here too. And I thank you, Father, that just me finding out that I wasn't in control of that little boat changed everything. Us believing your word changes everything. I would lay down my life for my children to have a great life. You did lay down your life for your children to have a great life. We will never forget that. I praise you and thank you for your kindness. Father, I pray for the spirit of faith. I pray for my friends today. I don't care if this is the first time they ever turned their hearts to it. I don't care who they are. I pray that you would speak to them and say, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. And that they would just tell fear to go back where it came from. Thank you for freedom from fear. Thank you for a fearless life. Dear Lord Jesus, not because we're tough, but because you are great. Thank you that the Lord is our shepherd. I trust you for that. To Jesus, everybody in this room, if there's anybody in this room that has never turned toward you as their savior, their shepherd, their life, walk through this room right now and draw them to you. Come into this house, dear Jesus. All right, friends, we're praying. You're sitting here today. You have never put your faith in Jesus. Why not? There is a God. He loves you. He created you to know him. You ran from him and strayed from him like we all did. We've all fallen from God. But he sent his son to die on a cross to bring you back to him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not talking about religion here. I'm talking about a relationship with the living God who loves you. But you can only come through his son. Jesus said, I'm the way. If you want a relationship with the God who loves you and cares for you, and you're ready to turn your life toward him, the Bible says you pray just a simple childlike prayer. Unless you become like a little child, you can't come into the kingdom. 
And then this great promise. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you want to be a child of God? Do you want to know Him personally? Do you want Him to bless you with the life He died to give you? Turn your life over to Him. Do you want to have eternal life? He who believes in me will never die. What a promise. It's your time. I want you to pray a simple prayer seated right there where you're at. Sort of like, I'm just going to help you. But it's got to be from the heart, friends. It's got to be from the heart. You've got to mean it like this. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on a cross because you love me. And today I come to you in simple faith. I ask you to forgive me of every sin I've ever sinned against you. I turn from that. I turn to you. I want to follow you, Jesus. Today I declare you are my Savior. You're my Lord. You're the love of my life. I don't understand what any of this means, but I'm following you. And I trust you to get me where I need to be. This is the best I know how to pray, but I believe your word. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Now, friend, if you prayed that in your minute, raise your hand real high. Put your hand up so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Put those down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you're still bringing people back to yourself so you can be good to them. I give you all the praise and glory. I don't have a clue where we're headed, what's going on, but I do know who's driving. And that's all I need to know. And I praise you and thank you for that. In the precious, mighty, wonderful, strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.